0: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Hello, and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine, and I'm now joined by Seb Stafford-Blore. Hello, Joe Devine. Hello, Seb. Uh, tell us about who was on the podcast today and what we talked about, because it was a good one. Yeah, it was really interesting. We had uh, Razi Hassan
2: who's the owner and founder of a company called Beyond Entertainment, and Mazia Kuya, who spent five years at Walsall, also won a, uh, an international cap for Afghanistan. We talked about British Asians in football and the difficulties they sometimes face in graduating through the game, getting into academies and first teams. Absolutely fascinating conversation. And uh, I, I learned an awful lot as well, Joe.
1: Yeah, uh, I liked the bit where you talked about pipelines, because it, it's easy yeah. to kind of pigeonhole these conversations as one thing or another, or as a cultural thing or not. But actually, when you dig into the specifics of it, there are there are some, you know, less obvious before the conversation, more obvious after the conversation, uh, blockages uh, potentially along, along the way to professional football. Um, and one of the statistics that comes up in this conversation is that of around 4,000 pro footballers in the UK, uh, 10 or fewer, we're not quite sure right at the moment, because there's players who come in and out, but 10 or fewer are British-Asian, which uh, makes up just uh, 0.25% of the most, uh, compared to around 7% of the population. So it's clear that there is uh, something to be discussed here, and it was uh, really enlightening to have to have Maz and uh, Razzie both on to do so. Uh, so we will get to that in a moment after I tell you about The Athletic. If you visit theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, you'll be able to find that for a small amount of money each month, you can read a wonderful, wonderful football writing about the football... And then also 10 other sports. Uh, there are journalists dedicated to every Premier League club. We cover in depth some of the champions, uh, championship clubs too. Uh, there is Carl uh, Anker who's got a weekly column and also, as it turns out, is writing a book with Marcus Rashford. Hello, Seb. Go on, Carl. That's exciting, isn't it? Well done, Carl. Sure Karl. is. Yeah. Very, very exciting. And also, I just, I just love that guy. Uh, Carl as well as, I meant Marcus Rashford, but also Carl. Anyway, uh, that's all. Go to theathletic.com forward slash TIFO and I believe you will enjoy uh, what you find there. Um, But for now, we will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of Razzie and Maz.
2: As i'm going to come to you to start with uh what are some of the stereotypes with which british asian footballers are afflicted?
3: Are um a lot of the stereotypes i hear is we're not physically strong enough um it's not our first career choice or we don't have our parents support that's one of the main ones i hear
2: when they say that um when they say that it it's not a main career choice. What, what does that mean? And where, where does that come from? I know I'm asking you to speculate a little bit, but that seems quite confusing to me.
3: I'm not too sure. I think it just comes from a fact where a lot of Asian households, predominantly they're now they very focused on education. So people think that they can't focus on two things at the same time. It has to be one or the other. It can't be education and sport. You spent
2: five years, I'm in right, saying that you were, um, you were at Warsaw for five years, right?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And you've described feeling, you know, various things which made you feel uncomfortable in the dressing room. What was that situation like for you? Did you feel did you feel separate from the rest of the playing squad? Did you feel like you were you were being treated differently by teammates and, and coaches?
3: Um no not at all. Um during training, during the change rooms, everything I, I felt part of the squad. I had a lot of friends, I was close with everyone, so I felt I felt um close with everyone. I never felt left out
2: or anything like that. Raz, if if I come to you, like, how common a, a situation is this? Right? How how um how 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 often is um the British Asian footballers report the same kind of things that Maz has just reflected on there about you know different career paths and parent support? Is this a, like is is that a regular occurrence?
4: i don't think it is you know i mean we we know that the challenges or barriers if you want to call them um they're quite well documented some of them are uh, issues uh, but some of them aren't i think there's you know there's there's young british asian and non uh, young british asian players Uh, that are kind of you know in the pathway trying to make it professionally that have challenges in in all different shapes and forms it is frustrating uh, as Maz mentioned that there continues to be this uh, unconscious bias around are they physically fit enough are they physically and mentally capable enough to progress on to to becoming professional footballers Um, and that's one of the things that we're very keen at BE to, to kind of break down um those notions and, and debunk those myths because you know those things aren't barriers you know um a young british asian player is as capable physically and mentally it's just that the pathways need to be more
2: uh structured in order to to see see them go through that's gonna be my next question about pathways But before we do can we can we um just in, in your words, we flesh out what Beyond Entertainment is and what it, what its aims are and what its, what its future ab- objectives are, are set to be. Yeah,
4: absolutely. So, so BE, Beyond Entertainment, um, is an organization that's been set up um, to cater for uh, existing and, and future talent within uh, football, uh, boxing, and MMA. Uh, we may go beyond that into other sports, but at the moment, that's kind of our focus area. It's our area of expertise. Within the boxing space, uh, we are looking at doing some very interesting things and uh, I look forward to speaking to yourselves and and others also about some of the things we're looking to do there. We are quite uh, ambitious in in what we're looking to do. We think boxing is quite undemocratic in the sense that uh, it's only really the elite fighters that make good money. Other than that, you know, there's world champions in this t- today, uh dotted around the world who who aren't able to make a living from the sport. So we're looking to rectify that and we have some exciting plans in place and, and you know we'll be revealing them in due course. Um, MMA is simply something that just can't be ignored anymore because of the numbers. You know, the attraction is a new generation of, of fans, fight fans, uh, so that's uh, an area we're looking to focus and we've got some really interesting talent there also. And then of course, football, you know, we are uh, an organization that is keen to work with all stakeholders across football at all levels. We're engaging actively now with um, organizations from the FA, the PFA, the FSA, kick it out uh, across to building relationships with clubs. Um, uh, We're we're developing a scouting network. And and whilst we're uh, happy to work with all uh, potential talent, Um, Because of our own backgrounds as British Asians um, and because of the the scope of the challenge, you know, we're positioning ourselves a little as the uh, agency to represent the underrepresented. Hence our kind of appetite and and our involvement on uh, supporting
2: young British Asians and other underrepresented communities to break into professional football. Let's quantify that underrepresentation because I've got a statistic here from the Football Supporters Association you mentioned. Um, Currently around 4,000 professional footballers in the UK and only 10 are British Asian. Um, my mathematics is not good enough to put that into a percentage but I imagine it's less than one obviously now what, what interests me about that is where, where does the blockage occur like what is the obstruction here to British Asian talent maturing into British Asian professionals what is the I suppose Maz you're, you're, you're probably the right person to ask this in the first instance how did um, how did you arrive at Warsaw originally
3: at Warsaw I was playing football with some of my friends at the local power league so just five side. And um, I was one of the younger ones playing, and one one of the lads, some um, one of the lads was watching, and he just happened to have uh, a contact number for a, a coach at Warsaw, and um, he mentioned it to me. He said I can call him, see if he can get give you a trial, and just bring you down for a training session, maybe. And then that's how I got. Um, uh, I was able to play in front of Warsaw, so it was quite lucky. Um, I never got scouted at a game or anything like that. Um, it was just. Someone saw me playing and called them up.
1: So, Maz, can, can I can I interrupt and just ask? Like, was it something that you were looking for, or that, was it just a coincidence and it happened? Did you, did you have hopes of being a professional player, or um, did it, did it just occur?
3: No, I, I always wanted to become a professional football player, but um, like I, said, I I couldn't I can't force agents or scouts to come watch me play. Um, so, in that circumstance, that was very lucky. It was a coincidence that he was there at the right time. And I was trip playing, and he was watching my pitch. He could have watched any of the pitches, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, since young, I always wanted to be a professional football player. But I just didn't have the right contacts to get trials myself.
2: I mean, is there a problem with the supply of British Asians into into British football, or is there kind of is there a fundamental reason? I'm going to imagine there's probably more than one, but why um, you don't see. Uh, See the kind of the right sort of volume a representative volume in british academies or in british first teams where, do, where does yeah let's go back to this where does the blockage and the plumbing occur here so that's a very interesting point uh, and it's something that i've been discussing
4: at length over the last week or so uh, since we uh, released the, the the findings of the survey with the fsa so we know that um in terms of participation at grassroots level uh, there was significant participations from male and female, so young boys and young girls are playing football on a very uh, large scale. In fact, uh, and I'll need to look at that again, but there was some, some research published by Sport England, which I think said that young Bangladeshi boys uh, account for the, for the most, um, in some ratio or proportion of, of young people playing football. So participation at grassroots is not an issue. Playing for local teams, Sunday league, that sort of thing, is I think where potentially you begin to start seeing some some level of challenge. So, you know, Manisha Taylor, QPR youth team manager, uh, spoke to the BBC recently and she talked about how when she was growing up, her brother was playing cricket at Middlesex. Uh, so her parents weren't able to take her to uh, training for football. And it was as simple as that. Well, we have to take your brother, so we can't take you. That has changed. You know, uh, you now have second, third, fourth generation parents of, of Asian heritage um, with kids, and, and they're a lot more focused and concentrated on supporting them. Uh, there's a young chap I spoke to the other day, Dean Mirazo, who plays for Beaconsfield. Uh, and his mother is fully supportive of him and saying that he loves the game, so I'm going to support him. So there are some challenges at that level, but we are seeing uh, that they're becoming less and less. The crux of it, I think, the real blockage, as you put it, is at uh, both uh, scouting and coaching level. Now, um, Maz was fortunate in that he was spotted Uh, by someone who put him in touch with the club. So he was able to, that was his kind of pathway in. Uh, But generally speaking, um, we know for a fact, and and this was mentioned by Sanjay Bhandari, the chairman of Kick It Out, where he said that there is a bias from scouts. There is, uh, in some cases, an unconscious bias or in some cases, you know, we, we're seeing the manifestation of age old stereotypes such as why should I pay any attention to your son or daughter? They're only going to go on to become a, a lawyer or accountant or doctor. So that, they are some of the challenges. So what we're keen on doing is is, is twofold. Number one is we want to see the increase of um, scouts uh, of, of a BAME background. Uh, but equally important, I think, it is to educate all scouts on the importance of being as as level-headed and as conscious as possible of not being biased when it comes to spotting talent. So I have a a story that I'll share with you. And I was, you know, I love football. I was never particularly good at it. But I used to play on a Wednesday night with my friends um, who used to play for a local team. And I would, you know, I trained with them on a a, a Wednesday night and would have a kick about and score a hat for the goals and whatnot. And and that was it for me. That was it. I never really took it beyond that. And one week, uh, a cousin of mine joined. And at the end of the game, he sort of said to me, uh, oh, can you ask the coach if I can play on Sunday? And I remember thinking to myself, what? We don't do that, do we? We we, we just come here for a kickabout on Wednesday. The idea of actually playing in a game of football and went on on a Sunday was just (laughs) alien, and and it kind of made me think the coach has never ever actually paid any attention to me. So I think, and that was what thirty odd years ago, you know, twenty five thirty years ago, and I think in some instances those biases do still exist and. And and um, you know they're being broken down. We're starting to see them them being broken down. There's a number of young uh, players of that heritage background that are coming through now. And one of the other things that we discussed and, and we talked about is the need for a role model. And once we have a role model, someone that is uh, playing for a big club, top six club, is performing week in week out, has a huge public profile. Then I think that disassociation that currently exists with Asians and football uh, will begin to hopefully dissipate, and, and we'll see a more level playing field and more acceptance.
1: Razi, can I can I ask you specifically about the the idea of a role model because it's something I, I've um my girlfriend is a is a teacher, and uh, at the moment she's working on a sort of diversity and inclusivity drive at the school as it relates to the books that are available for the, the primary school children to read. Um, she she accounted for them all at the end of last year and said that the the number of books that had a person of uh, color or ethnicity uh, as the main character or as part of the protagonist of the book were was way smaller than the number of people that they actually had of that background within the school and I, I think that's probably a fairly fairly common story right mm-hmm. um, and so we had this conversation at the time about the idea of role model now like as a as a white male uh, living in England myself it's not like it's not something that ever occurred to me as a child when I was growing up because obviously that need was catered for and i'm sure that the answer is obvious but it, it just it's it's very interesting to me like wh- what is it do you think um specifically about the idea of of young people having having a role model that they can recognize that it's just an inspiration is it that they see themselves in that person that they suddenly think that something is possible or open to them that that they didn't previously believe was
4: yeah i think so i think it is that notion of association uh, that person is perhaps the same skin tone as me. It's he. He's the same faith as me. Uh, he is um, someone that's gone against the odds uh, and and yeah. overcome them and is now is is um, on kind of the big stage and is performing and and it. it I guess I guess a good example of it, a, a very recent example. I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you would have heard that the radio conversation uh, that Lewis Hamilton had at the weekend with the, uh, with his, with the Mercedes team.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, Yeah. Just, yeah. When he just clinched the title, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not particularly fan of F1. I'm not a huge fan of Lewis Hamilton, but when I heard him, I welled up. And all of a sudden he became, you know, for me in that moment, he was a role model, he was someone that was, who was at the absolute peak and pinnacle of his sport. And just in the matter of a few words, he was able to to kind of, you know, yeah. evoke such emotions from me, at least anyway. And I'm sure so many people around the world or wherever would have felt that same way. So I don't think it's important for a role model to be necessarily the same, uh, you know, in terms of appearance and everything. I think specifically where football is related, the reason why um, a, a British Asian professional footballer role model would be so powerful is because the fact that there is this resistance i'm not saying it's an intentional resistance but there is there is this barrier to, to british asians breaking through into professional football so eventually when someone does come through uh that is a real star not to take anything anything away from from the current players but someone that has that persona and then that profile and everything it would just really, in my opinion, uh, you know, it would make a difference. I spoke to Talksport the other day, and I was, I was talking to Alex Crook, and I did say to him that that just a bunch of kids, um, you know, training on, on, a, on a on a midweek or whatever it might be. If a young British Asian uh, coach goes out onto the pitch to train them, um, and there is a a British Asian footballer that is at the top of his game and performing really well, they will associate that individual with that player similar background so it means this guy knows something about football it's the same kind of the the Mo Salah effect I guess you know if if you're having a kick about and and your coach turns up and your coach is Egyptian automatically kind of you know you will associate him with Mohamed Salah simply because they're from from the same country or whatever it might be so sometimes it can be at that very basic level a role model can have an impact but I, I do believe I do believe that you know we're not too far off seeing someone break through uh, and when it does happen, I think it will, you know, I'm hoping it will kind of really open the floodgates uh, for players, uh, young players looking to break through.
2: That Mo Salah thing is really interesting because we, um, we uh, back during Euro 2000, we were, back, we were at school. I remember I was playing outside as a Portuguese guy in my year. Um, and obviously like, it's not as if Portugal is lacking for football culture. Yeah. But um, the uh, the day after Portugal beat England in 3-2 and Louis Figo scored that uh, that outrageous goal from 35 yards, all of a sudden, Rodrigo became Figo and everyone thought he was just brilliant. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. he was absolutely rubbish as a footballer, but all of a sudden he had this weird gravitas that he didn't have yeah. before and people paid him attention, so it's true.
0: Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh, and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching The Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from The Athletic. Every week I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. The era of Cherno and Tom Tom and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. The new football manager is bigger, better more challenging than ever and I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December.
2: Maz, can I, can I um, just ask about the circumstances under which you, you left Walsall? What, was, um, what happened there? What, um, what took you out of the game?
3: Obviously, like I said, warsaw they done a lot for me. I got to live my dream of becoming a professional footballer. I got my debut, everything like that. Um, but uh, during the time there, I sustained two knee injuries. I done my meniscus on my left knee and then my ACL and both my meniscuses on my right knee. And um, while I, I got injured towards the end of my contract, I had like two months left of my contract and I got injured with my uh, ACL. And um, I was out for maybe 10 months. But of course, two months into my injury, my contract was over. And Warsaw, we, yeah, we just got relegated that season. We had new management. And they just kind of said to me, yeah, we, we're not going to offer you anything. We'll get you back fit as part of the PSA rule. They, um, any club you get injured under contract, they, they have to get you back fit and um, so yeah they just said we'll get you back fit but we can't offer you another contract and then that's it and then they did say to me once you get back fit we'll have a look at you but um, when when I got back fit and it just ended up not happening I think at the time it was midway through the season and things like that and I just they just said yeah you can go to other clubs
2: What um, Which do you do? You go for trials at other clubs?
3: It was just before lockdown and I and I was speaking I sent some messages and emails to as many clubs as I could but um not no club really got back to me. And um I that was a bit shocking for me because someone that's played League One football I thought I'd have at least clubs conference, Premier Conference North that would want to give me a chance, just coming into training or something. But um I had no clubs reply to me. Um I don't know why but I had no clubs reply to me and then this was then lockdown happened and during lockdown I got a job working at Toyota and it was the first ever time i had like, a, a solid job that was this is a safe option let me just go for that and then um i started working but um ever since working i've kind of i've wished that i didn't give up so easily so this is the whole point of doing all these interviews and stuff is to bring a lot of awareness on ages in football and racism in football, but also to kickstart my career again as well.
2: Yeah, that's my next question. Actually, what, how how do you think of the game now? I mean, not not Walsall and not any of the clubs that you you tried you um rated for trials. Like, how do you think of football as a sport in this country um, now that you've you've kind of taken a step outside of it?
3: I've still got the same same mindset towards football. I've always had it. So, um, ever since I was younger, all my like, older relatives, all my cousins, all my friends in my area, they've always just said, you you have to work harder than everyone else. That person next to you, um, you, you can't be as good as him because if he's an English lad, they, might, they could get picked ahead of you. You have to be much better than them to get ahead of them. And I've always had that mindset where... If you want to get in the team, if you want to get the start, you have to be better than your opposition. No one's going to give you a helping hand. And I've still got the same mindset. Really, like I still love the game, and I just know the hard work's going to get, hopefully get me to where I want to be.
1: Does uh does your working full time now uh prohibit your training? Presumably to make it like are you? I, I imagine for players in your situation who have played professionally or or even some played semi-professionally, out of work in, in terms of football, so they you know have to support themselves. They go back into work, and then that kind of presumably makes it like quite a difficult cycle to break out of because you have to earn money but also you have to be fit enough to be able to go and do trials and stuff
3: yeah 100% working full-time you don't have time to go training you don't have time to to go to the gym and things like that it does make it very difficult Um, but that's why I I know for a fact I can't work full-time as a car salesman and play football so um, I'm going to stop. I have to give up one of them. And if I want to do football, I'm going to have to take that risk and give up a full-time paying job and a, a chance of playing football.
2: Razzi, what can a company like B do to make the pathways into the game easier? Because we, we talked a little bit about um, some of the assumptions that exist in the game, some of the stereotypes, um, some of the attitude to scouts. Um, like I read, um, as part of their the press um, that came through to us, there there are there are some scouts that kind of look away from British Asian players because they assume at some point in the, in the season they're going to have to fast and that that's going to be prohibitive to you know to a career. Like these are these are kind of these are the sorts of cultural assumptions that are really deeply rooted. Um, what can what can what can be done to actually defeat them other than waiting for generations to, to pass?
4: So we've got a pretty clear plan uh, in terms of what we're looking to do. Um, we are hopefully looking to, to, to potentially work with, with the FA. Um, as you'll be aware, the FA have a, an overarching kind of um, diversity and inclusion strategy. Uh, within that, they have a... Um, um a strategy which is uh kind of specifically for um increasing participation and and developing professional footballers within the asian community so you know we're looking to work closely with with the fa on that and to to help essentially uh deliver what it is that they're looking to do so so we 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 have a plan whereby you know we're, we're really going to give this a go okay and what that basically means is as an organisation we are in the process of developing out our very own um, scouting network which, which is our national athlete development network uh, that will consist of scouts up and down the country um, and whilst those scouts will be mandated to look for all talent uh, there will be a, a specific focus on identifying players from uh, a british asian background so that's one step um, so so through that network, we will be in a position where hopefully we'll be, we'll have a bit of a conveyor belt of, of potential talent coming through. Um, at that point, um, and, and something that I'll be working very closely on is developing um, my relationships with football clubs. So, uh, and, and and local FA, um, um, community FA. So, like I'm based in Hertfordshire, so you know I'm looking to, to develop a relationship with the Hearts FA. Um, and once we have those players and we've got the relationships with the football clubs, uh, then we hope to be in a position to be able to uh, get players into trials, spend some time with the clubs and the teams uh, so that they have um, so they have all the support they possibly need. One of the things that we identified and one of the reasons why BE has come to, to life, I guess, um, and Maz can probably vouch for this, is that there was a lack of... Uh, support for uh, young British Asian footballers coming through from a professional perspective, i.e. Uh, in terms of intermediaries and representatives, people that could help them and support them along the way. Uh, when when Maz um, uh, had the incidents that he had at Walsall, uh, he didn't really have anyone they could turn to and talk to. So had he had an organisation like us or, in, or, or myself, he could have turned to us and said, well, look, so-and-so has said this to me. I don't want to go to the club and speak to them because I want, you know, in his case, I want more minutes. I don't want to be seen as a troublemaker or whatever it might be. Uh, What do I do? Okay. And then at that point, you know, it would be our responsibility to approach the club and to say to them look, this incident has occurred, this is what's happened, you know, let's just kind of, you know, let's clear it up so that this sort of thing doesn't happen again. And then we move on. Um, And that lack of representation at the moment, I think, is one of the issues that has been um, and and is one of the holes that we're looking to plug. But in terms of your question as to what we can do, we have a very clear pathway. You know, we're looking to to, uh, identify talent. Uh, We're looking to work with all the stakeholders. We're looking to build relationships with football clubs. We're looking to get numbers in academies up. At the moment, I believe there's something like six players six uh players of british asian origin uh in um i think across ooh, we have to correct me on this either the premier league or across all leagues just six um and that is not a, that's not a lot <laughs> so we need to get those numbers in academies up uh, and then once they're in those academies we want to work with those clubs the coaches and and, and the setups within the clubs to make sure that they understand the cultural sensitivities and the nuances and the things that could potentially affect uh you know an, a, a player of of a certain background uh, just to make sure that they're mindful of and that they have a a relatively sm- you know s- you know smooth journey through the academy system and then who knows hopefully onto the first team.
2: Maz, what were some of the things that affected you during your time in the game some of the things that were said
3: uh, a lot a few incidents um happened during my time at, at uh, playing football for example one of the incidents I can mention is when we used to get on the coach to Luton Luton's uh, the area that we would go to where the stadium was a prominent Asian area so while we're on the coach when we're driving through it some of the lads would be like oh man, look there's your uncle there's your auntie it's little things like that but that, that to me it was all it was just banter it was it's been part and parcel of me growing up playing football in in football environments you it's just the banter you get and it's not it's, maybe it's not right but you just have to accept it you have to, if you make it a big deal then you you're not going to be one part of the lads if you know what i mean so that that's kind of the situation some of the things that would happen but like i said none of the lads would do it in a malicious way and me personally to be fair it didn't affect me too much and yeah, like, like I said, you, you want to, you want to be part of the lads. You don't want to be the one that can't take a joke. You don't want to be the one that's telling them, oh, can you stop saying that? And then they, they don't really want to, then, then slowly, slowly it would affect your relationship with, with, um, the team. Um, but things like that, it, it was never a big deal to me. The one, uh, thing that did happen to me that it, it did kind of affect me quite a bit was, uh, we was in the training ground, um, just playing, uh, warming up and one of the lads said to me uh, mentioned something about uh, me being a terrorist and uh, at that time I, I did try to laugh at the start and then he said it again and then I said I said something back to him um, about how he's, he's trying to make people laugh he, he's already said it once he doesn't need to say it again and then um, we ended up uh, arguing with each other had a, we had a little bit of a row the lads came and split up the thing that affected me the most about that was, wasn't the, the actual lad that said it because he came and apologized to me after. That. It was the fact that there was a, a member of coaching staff there witnessing, witnessed it all. And, um, I, I thought afterwards I'd get called into the office or I'd get called, um, just to see how I'm doing or something. But, um, nothing, nothing happened. It just got ignored or I don't know what happened, but yeah.
2: Yeah, that is strange because you'd have expected in that situation someone's just go, Mazzy, you're right, and you know if you sorted this out, and you know this isn't to happen again. You didn't, you didn't get any of that, presumably. Uh,
3: no, I didn't get any of that, so it just got ignored, really. Um, and that that made me that kind of made me feel even more. Oh, I'm not going to mention anything because if they did want, if they wanted to do something, they would have called me into the office. So, and at the time, I wanted to get into the first team. I wanted to get more minutes for the first team. So. I just didn't want to be seen as a trail maker or anything like that, so I just uh, decided to let it slide.
2: But you want it? You you actively looking for a way back in at the moment into the game?
3: Yeah, definitely. That's yeah, definitely. That's um, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm with B now and uh, with Razi. Hopefully, with the help of him, I can get get some trials in there and just get a second chance in football. Um, and another thing that made me really want to work with Razi was the fact that at the, in that situation, if that did happen again I would have someone to speak to like um, of course you can always go home and speak to your parents but my I, I didn't think my parents would be able to do anything at club level like they don't know a lot about football to to know how how it works how the FA works you know, things like that but I'm sure if something like that happened again and uh, I spoke to an intermediate that, that can sympathise with you and know where you're coming from um, you've got more of a leg to stand on and more backing and
2: presumably you're you're fully fit now you're ready to go if um if, if an yeah. opportunity comes up and so if if there are clubs out there and i have to believe there are because um clubs up and down the country are kind of cutting their playing staff and uh you are ultimately an international midfielder you've been capped by afghanistan haven't you
3: yeah yeah i've yeah. been a, had a full cap and things like that yeah.
2: so who um who who would uh, who would some who would a club get in touch with if they want to invite you for a trial
3: and they could get in touch with me, they could get in touch with Razzy. As simple as that. We just uh, contact a range of time and date and that's it. I'm not a very, um, I'm not a very, I'm I'm quite a shy person. I'm very, I don't like to big myself up uh, well, a Stop lot.
1: that right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Stop it. There's no room for that.
3: Come on. Uh, no, 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 he um, shows, shows
1: them on the pitch. That's what he's saying. It's I tell t- 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 you what, I pitch. tell you what,
2: Joe, this is how we will do this. Okay. So um, you remember the old attribute scale from, um from football manager, 0 to 20. <laughs> like three attributes that we're going to pick like you're midfielder so uh, passing what are we going for between 0 and 20 and don't be shy don't give yourself say, like an 8 say I want to
3: yeah. <laughs> passing I, I do have a, I've, good, I've got a good vision I can find a pass I can I can pass my left and right foot so I would give myself a, a good attribute in passing um, like in midfield I'm, I'm a hard working player I've got a good stamina I've got I'm light on my feet. I'm good at changing direction, agility, things like that. Um, but um, my touch is very good. I I can use both my feet. Um, like a lot, a lot of the times, um, in training and and when I'm playing with random people, they'll, they'll say something like, don't show him in on his left. Whereas, um, I'm not left footed. I'm right footed, but because maybe I scored one or two goals in my left or they're, they're thinking, okay, show him on his right, but I'm right footed as well. Um, so I can use both my feet well. And uh, the main thing that I feel, I've, I've, my main attribute is I'm always willing to learn. I'm, I, I never think I'm too good to learn or too good to listen to anyone. Um, and that's one of the things that I bring to the club. Like if, if a, a member of staff or a player is giving me advice, I always try to take it on and help myself improve.
1: That sounds great. <laughs> that
2: sounds like a needed t- <laughs> yeah, yeah. a, a, Need a 20, little then. bit of product,
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this has been really enlightening, guys. Um, and obviously, um, we do know that there are a few uh, coaches and managers out there um, in the national league who uh, who listen to the podcast and uh, watch TFOs. So, if there is um, if there is anybody out there who's uh, after a two-footed midfielder who's willing to learn, which I have to believe there is. Then um, get
1: in touch with Maz or Razzi or drop us a line and we'll forward you to them. Incidentally, um, also a lapsed to goalkeeper. I'm available too. Uh, <laughs> no one's in. No one's in. No, honestly, I, I've seen. I've seen you walk, Joe. You like you. <laughs> well, you, you don't need to walk, do you? You, you couldn't could even do point. power league.
2: So stop that immediately. Uh, it's
1: just how dare you.
2: No. no. <laughs> we've both had can a I, bad lockdown
4: so can I, can I just add on that if there is uh, just a, a second what you're saying if anyone is interested out there then please you can find out more at beyond-entertainment.co.uk uh, or get in touch on info at beyond-entertainment.co.uk